We've been spending some time detoxing our lives, resetting our lives. And here over the last 21 days, or we're taking 21 days to reset, to start fresh, to really refocus our lives in this new season. And normally we do it twice a year. We do it in January. January's 21 days of prayer and fasting. And then in August, it's 21 days of prayer. Now this August, I've asked us to really fast in a different way. And it really revolves around the word detox. Everybody say detox. So it's the removal of substances from a living organism. So things that are toxic in our life, we're working to remove them. In the first week, we talked about spiritual detox. If you missed it, go back and listen to it. Great message about how to detox spiritually. Uh, Then last week, we talked about your soul, how to detox your soul. Today, we're going to talk about detoxing your body. Now, when looking at detox... A lot of people just used to think about the body. Hey, I'm going to detox my body. But we are a triune being, a spirit. We have a soul and we live in the body. And so it's important to address every single area of our life if we're going to approach it in a holistic way. Now, in our theme verse today, I want to go into 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 as we dive into body detox. How do we detox this body? And let's go to our theme verse. It says, do not be yoked. Do not be yoked. What does that mean? That means don't have a closeness with. Don't have a closeness with. And then he goes on, he says, with unbelievers. For what does righteousness have with wickedness, and what do they have in common? It says, or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and of idols? And the obvious answer there is nothing. There is nothing in common with those things. It says, for we are the temple of the living God, as God has said. Now, this is the New Testament Going to quote the Old Testament and look at what God has said. He says, I'll live with them. I'll live with them. I love this because do you know this? God wants to live with you. He's not aloof. He's not absent. He's not in heaven looking down saying, oh, just fix yourself. No, no. God is saying, I want to live with you. So when you're here this morning, realize this. God wants to be intimate with you. He wants to have a relationship with you. And most of us, we know that. But look at what it says. I want to walk among them. I'll be their God and they will be my people. And then he talks about how. He says, therefore, come out from them and be separate. How many know the church should not look like the world? If I had to just be candid, I feel like that's the problem right now is that if I was someone that didn't know God, didn't live for God, didn't have a clue, and I'm looking at some of the churches today, the problem is they act just like I do and I don't have God. They look just like I do and I don't have God. The problem is not what, what, what God is presenting and who God is. The problem is with us that we've not separated ourselves from the things of this world. And sometimes it's like, well, would they, would they like it? Absolutely. Why? Because they're looking for hope. They're looking for truth. Think about yourself when you came to God. Why did you come to the church? Why? Because the church was different. The addictions, the problems, the challenges in your life, they're, they're not the same as when you're in the world by yourself as they are when you have God in your life. Why? Because God gives you the power to be separate. So you come out, be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing and I will receive you. I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. And he goes on, he says, since you have these promises, dear friends, 
Let us purify ourselves. So this is the whole theme, detox. Let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. So our bodies can become toxic in a lot of ways. And most of us, when we think about our bodies being toxic, a lot of times we think about weight. You know, it's about our physical appearance. You know, we think that God is the one that created the Krispy Kreme, but the devil's the one that makes me want to eat all 12 of them. I mean, you know what I mean? It's like, hey, I, I, we, and so we think about detoxing in that way. And I don't know about you, but for me, I, I, I really try to focus on my weight. I'm trying not to be overweight. And this year I set some resolutions. Anybody set resolutions? I, I got some resolutions and some goals. And at the beginning of this year, one of my goals was to lose about 20 pounds. All the men, anybody with me? About 20 pounds, give or take. And uh, here we are almost more than halfway through the year, I'm excited to tell you that I've only got about 30 pounds left. <laughs> I mean, you know, and then I, I went to the doctor this year and, you know, doing my physical, trying to get everything going well. And doctor said, hey, listen, you're the perfect weight. You're just about 11 feet too short. <laughs> Here we are. Listen, I love to eat. How many love to eat? So detoxing body is good. I don't need to tell you how to detox your body. You can look it up. Most of you are better at that than me in the physical when it comes to food and appearance. But what we are going to talk about is something that impacts our physical body, this body, how we detox it, because there are things that will impact the other two parts of your life, your soul and your spirit. There are toxins that impact every area, and we're going to look at it. Look at Romans chapter 7, verse 21. What Paul says, he says, so I find this law at work in me. So there's this law that's at work in the natural body. And he says, when I want to do good, evil is right there with me. Can anybody relate? It's like, I want to do good. I'm trying to do good. Come on, man, I'm working hard on the inside of me. But evil is right there with me. It says, for my inner being. That's this person on the inside, the new regenerated person God has made us to be. It says it has this desire. We have this desire. We delight in the laws of God. So there's something on the inside of you. You love God. You love the things of God. You love the purity of what he has given to us. It says, but I see another law at work in the members of my body. So on this inside, my inner man, I, I delight in the things of God, but there's something that's working and waging war against my body against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner. So I'm living my life that I really don't want to live. I'm living this life and it's not what I want, but I find myself trapped as a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members, within my body. And then look, Paul begins to fuss at himself. He says, what a wretched man I am who will rescue me from this body of death. See, you may not have thought about our bodies when they're toxic, that they're actually creating death in your life. But I'm here to tell you, you can, and when you do detox, there will be life inside of you, not only in your body, but in your spirit and in your soul. That there is something inside of us that helps lead us in the direction that our bodies can be detoxed. And I want to warn you just a little bit this morning I know we got some students and, and all of us. Listen, we're going to go into a few areas that are a little bit deep. And, you know, they're going to be a little bit serious. And we're going to walk progressively into these. But I feel like it's important. Listen, as your pastor, it's important for us to address this. Why? Because I'm trying to walk you towards freedom. 
We're not trying to just stay stuck and not trying to point out all these areas that you may have flaws. And the reason why we share them at first is so that you can recognize the tactic of the enemy. How many know that the enemy doesn't have any new tactics? He just represents them in new ways. And so if I just recognize this, I'm not trying to call anybody out, just recognize it. And then we say, okay, God, how do we overcome that area? We will be different this morning. The first place we need to detox in our body is through addictions. Addictions, anything that keeps us doing what we don't want to do in our lives. Can I tell you, everybody struggles with addictions. There are areas in your life that tell you what to do, how to do it, and when to do it. You say, well, what, what, what does it mean if I'm addicted? Do you arrange your schedule around it? Whatever it is. I mean, do you try to keep it a secret? Like, don't let nobody know? That may be an addiction in your life. Does it, whatever it is, does it isolate you from people that you love? Do the people around you say that you have a problem with it? That may be an addiction. Ushers, listen to me. Help me stop the movement this morning. If you guys can help me. Can I get an amen? amen. And if people come in, let's get them into the back. But I want to stop all the movement this morning. Please. I really feel like there's an assignment of distraction. Why? Because this is something that will set you free. I, listen to me. I'm telling you, I felt it from that there is not going to be a distraction. Why? Because this is what you came to hear. You didn't know it. You weren't expecting it. But God brought you here. Why? Because he wants to set you free. I'm telling you. There is power that's about to be released, just being the aware why. Because you feel like a prisoner. You came to church and you, you bound up and you said, man, I feel like a prisoner. Why? Because there's addictions in your life. I want to encourage you. Listen, God wants to get involved in your battle. You don't have to fight it alone. You got a church that loves you. Regardless of what addiction you're struggling with, regardless of what you may say, well, it may be alcoholism, it may be shopping. It may be lust. It may be prescription drugs. It doesn't matter what it is. It may be worry. I, I don't know what it is, but I can tell you this. There's a church that loves you, a church that cares for you, a church that will walk you through this. Why? Because God will bring freedom in your life. Look at Romans. It says, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. So you're obeying this desire on the inside of you. It says, do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourself to God, for sin shall not be your master. Think about it. God doesn't want sin to be your master. He wants to be your master. There should be nothing in our lives that controls us more than the power of God. Why? Because God is on the inside of you. There's hope, there's freedom, there's power, there's strength. Where's it at? It's on the inside of you. And he doesn't want anything to master you. He wants you to willingly give him control of your life. I'm going to encourage you this week that God is here to help you detox from any area that you have in your life that you may be addicted to. Second thing is this, it's debauchery. I'm going to ramp it up just a little bit, go a little bit deeper in this. Now, debauchery is not a word that we hear often, and I really thought about how can I say it in a way that maybe is not that word, but the truth is it's a Bible word, so we're going to say it. What is debauchery? It's extreme indulgence in sensuality. It's an extreme indulgence of sensuality. We live in a debaucherous society. What does that mean? We have slogans and phrases and mantras that says, if it feels good, just do it. 
Like, it don't matter about morals. It doesn't matter about absolute truth. It doesn't matter about character. Now, if you're 30 years or older, you have ingrained in you maybe this character that says, I'm not going to do it. We grew up under the mantra of uh, just say no. You remember that, the drug campaign, just say no. And so we learn moral absolutes through even the government's propaganda to say, listen, don't get involved in drugs, don't get involved in bad things, just say no. And so at least there was some moral absolute floating out there saying, you don't have to follow your feelings, you don't have to do what you want or feel, do the right thing because it's the right thing. The problem is, We now live in a society that doesn't hold true to those same mantra and values. And so they say, if it feels good, just do it. Just whatever you want to do, just just go out and do it. But the Bible calls us to live by our convictions, not by our feelings. Feelings get us into trouble, and they cause us to go down the wrong path, so you can't trust your feelings. Listen, if you're in church, don't trust your feelings. Your feelings will lie to you. Your feelings will mislead you and misdirect you and misguide you. you got to say, God, your word says, your truth is, I believe. I refuse to go by what I feel. I go by what I know. Ephesians 5.18 says, don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. There are things in our life that we can consume in our natural body. Now, am I saying that drinking a glass of wine or drinking is bad? Listen, it's not. The question is, what path is it going to lead you down? I mean, so I'm not here to judge you. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit speak to you. But the thing we have to know is that there are things that we allow in our physical body that lead us down the path of debauchery. So we have to be careful about that. We begin to allow our senses to lead us and to drive us and to cause us to go in the wrong direction. But look at what he says instead. Everybody say instead. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. You don't have to consume all that other stuff. Just say, God, I want to be filled with your presence. God, that's what I love about the 21 days of prayer. What are we doing? We're filling ourselves up with God's presence. We're filling ourselves up with his power. We're filling ourselves up with more of him. The truth is we don't need a chemical substance. We need more of God. So God, just fill me up. Why? Because he is the one that gives us the power to do what we need to do. And when we allow foreign toxins into our body, things like that that will cause us to lead down that wrong path, it makes us make stupid decisions. We do dumb things. Anybody ever been inebriated? (laughs) Anybody ever seen someone inebriated? You're like, Pastor, I don't know if I want to raise my hand about the inebriated thing. <laughs> but, I'll, but I'll tell on someone else. The truth is when you see someone who's been drunk, a little bit intoxicated, they do things that they wouldn't normally do. You know what I mean? So it reminds me of a drunk man, this story I heard about a drunk man who stumbled along a baptismal on a Sunday morning uh, service. And he walks up to the preacher. The preacher sees this drunk and he sees him. He says, listen, mister, are you ready to find Jesus? The drunk looks at the pastor. He said, yes. So the man, the preacher, grabs that man, and he dunks him down, and he brings him up, and he says, have you found Jesus? Drunk man says, no. He gets that man, and he pushes him back down in the water, and he says, pulls him up, says, sir, have you found Jesus? He said, no, still hadn't found him. Now the preacher, a little bit aggravated, says, I'm going to show him. He gets that man down there, holds him for about 30 seconds. Guy's wrestling. Pastor pulls him up. He said, have you found Jesus? He said, "Uh, are you sure he's down there? (laughs) We do dumb things when we're drunk. 
when you're inebriated, when you allow those, those foreign toxins in our body. And so we have to say, I'm not going to allow it. Why? Because there's a greater way to live. A greater way to live. Third thing is this, sexual immorality. Here's a little bit of a deeper, it's, you know, it's another Bible word. You got to know this, listen, in a, in a society today where sex is rampant, the Bible talks a lot about sexual immorality. I mean a lot. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3. It says, for this is the will of God, your sanctification. Sanctification. What, what does that mean? That's a big word. You know, it means set apart, that you're called as the church to be set apart, that you abstain from sexual immorality. Sexual immorality. Now, in the English language, this is two words, sexual immorality. But in the Greek, in the original, it's, it's one word. It's, it's the word pornea. And it's really where we get the word pornography. And it means a surrendering of sexual purity. So he's saying don't be sexually immoral, sexual immorality. So, so what does that mean? It means, listen, don't surrender your sexual purity. Don't surrender. Listen to me, young people. Listen to me. I don't care what kind of games they have. I don't care what's cool, what the fad is, what the trend is. The Bible is very clear. Don't surrender your sexual purity. Don't allow the world to say it's okay and it doesn't really matter. The truth is it absolutely matters. And all sexual activity should be done in the context of marriage. Marriage. And when you're married, oh, it's good, baby. Uh. It is good. It's a wonderful thing. So sexual immorality could be said as this. Any sexual activity outside of the marriage bed, the marriage relationship. And marriage, let's just be real clear. That's between one man and one woman. Now, now listen, we love everybody. We cannot allow people to redefine what God created. You can't redefine it. God, you didn't create it. God created it. You will never be fully happy until you're living under the biblical standards that God created for us to live in. So I just want to challenge us. Listen, sexual immorality, anything. Listen, we could say, okay, young people, but I know a lot of adults it's like, well, it ain't no big deal. No, it is a big deal. It's, it's a huge deal. And, and look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 15. Look at what it says. This was written in a time when temple prostitution was rampant. So this was a time that they would go into the temple and people would actually, uh, they, they would have prostitutes in the temple and they would have sex with these prostitutes as a form of worship to their gods. So you can imagine how crazy that God, like, hey, I'm going to church, I'm going to find me a prostitute, I'm going to worship. <laughs> so, so, but this was the norm, this was the standard. And then, and then what you have is you have Christianity rising up and you have Paul that says, hey, listen, listen to what he says, don't you know? Listen, I know what they're doing, and I know it's trendy, and I know it's, it's, you may have even come out of that, but look at, he says, don't you know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? So they were new believers. They're coming out. Many of them would have worshiped in that pagan form of worship, and he's saying, listen, don't do it. You can't do it because your bodies are members of Christ himself. He said, shall I then take members of Christ 
and unite them with a prostitute? So shall I unite them with a prostitute? Look at the word unite. That word unite actually means permanently fuse at the deepest level. Permanently fuse at the deepest level. So he's saying, did you not know that when you have sex with a prostitute, you're uniting them with Christ and you're infusing them at the deepest level? Look at what he says. He says, never. Do you not know that he unites himself with the prostitute as one with her in body? For it is said, the two will become one flesh. So listen to this. When you have sex with a person, you are permanently fusing yourself to the core of that person. So society won't tell you that. Society say, well, it's just casual. It's a rendezvous. It's a fling. It's a one-night thing. No, no. The reason you can't get that person out of your mind, even though you didn't know their name, you really didn't know who they were, is because whether you knew it or not, you were fusing yourself to the very deepest core of that person. Your soul, we call them soul ties. Soul ties. And so you can't get them out of your mind. Why? Because they're a part. Of, they've been fused to the deepest part of who you are. And, and look at the way it was meant to be. Check it out. In the context of marriage, this is beautiful. Why? Because my, my wife has eyes only for me. Why? Because we have been fused at the deepest level. We are soulmates. So when you understand that, doesn't that begin to set you off in a different way? It's like, no wonder God said Sex could only be done in the context of marriage because a piece of me is with that person. It says two shall become one flesh. We're fused together. That means no matter what, I got my best friend. We're going to hell and back. We're going to fight everything we can. We're going to be together. That even when I get fat and ugly and bald all on my head, my wife is going to love me because we are fused at the deepest level. <laughs> That's the beauty of it. You'll, you'll meet a man who is... Who has his wife and they're 70, 80 years old, and you're like, man, they say, I love you. You're the finest thing in the world. You're the best. And you're like, come on. And they're still talking about how they're intimate. You're like, oh, 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 oh. But what's happened? In the context that God created it, you're being fused at the deepest level. There's no such thing as just casual sex, casual encounters. You're being fused. So, so this is what you have to know. There's hope. Thank God there is hope hope. We serve a God that will break soul ties. We serve a God that of new beginnings. How many know when you repent, you say, God, I'm sorry. I'm genuinely sorry. I didn't realize it. And some of you may need to do that today. Just say, God, I don't think I realized it. I wasn't really taught that. I didn't know that. Well, now you know. And so you say, God, I break that soul tie that's in my life. Cleanse me. And that's the beautiful thing about forgiveness. It's not just forgetting your sins. He cleanses your sins. It's as if it never happened before. Never happened. As far as the east is from the west. And so some of you, listen, when you're detoxing your body, you've got to understand that this is a critical part, sexual immorality. So I'm inviting us, detox our bodies. and Just detox. How do you do it, pastor? The first thing is this. you got to get away from it. You got to get away from it. Physically remove yourself from whatever it is in your life. Whatever is causing you to go the wrong way, whether it's an addiction, it might be a person at work. Listen, some of you might need to change jobs because that it is a person. And there's some emotional attachments that are not healthy that you've already crossed boundaries. You're like, oh, pastor, I need a job. No, you need to keep your marriage. You need to keep your family and don't allow it to destroy everything you've worked your entire life to build. 
Some of you, that it is cable. you got to turn off the cable. Oh, but I want to watch it. No, no. That's the it that opens your life up to all the addictions and all the bondage that's in your life. So you've got to say, listen, I'm going to get away from it. Maybe it's chemical substances. Maybe it's social media. Maybe you just say, well, every time I go to social media, that person messages me or I go to the wrong place. It just, it just there's things that happen. But you just got to remove it. You got to get it out of your life. First Corinthians says this, flee from sexual immorality. So you got to flee. Listen, we don't play with sin. We don't manage sin. How many know we run from sin? How many know we run from sin? That means you just, you got to go the other way. All other sins, it says, a man commits are outside of his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? Now listen, if you're not a Christ follower, I, this may seem a little bit extreme. It's like, I'm going to flee. I'm going to turn off my cable. I'm not going to listen to watch social media. I'm, that's just that's crazy. Well, listen, if you're not a Christ follower, it's a little crazy. It's a little radical. But for us as Christ followers, it's the only thing we, we, we can do. Why? Because look at the next verse. It says, you're not your own. You were bought with a price. Listen, you were bought with a price. You were bought with a price. I don't know about you, but my life was bought through the price of Jesus Christ. You know what I deserve? We deserve death and hell and the grave. Why? Because we are sinners and that sin brings death. But there was God in heaven who sent his one and only son that he came to this earth to die for us. He paid the penalty that I deserved. He gave his life. He shed his blood. He took that sin on his life. And the only thing he requires of me in my life in that exchange, God's taking my sin, my death, everything I deserve, is he requires 100% of me. Yeah, yeah, it's a free gift, but it costs you everything. Salvation is free, but it ain't cheap. Living it out is the day-to-day wrestle. Living it out is the part of us where we say, God, I'm going to do it today. I'm going to go all in with you. Why? Because I'm not my own. I was bought with a price. I belong to him. Second thing is this. you got to guard your minds. we just got to guard our minds. It all starts in our mind. We talk about the body, really that's just the fruit of what's been going on inside of your head, inside of your mind. So we've got to say, listen, I'm going to guard my mind. I'm not going to allow things that are toxic to come inside of my mind. And many times it happens through Hollywood. It happens through all the media. And and we say, well, listen, it's not that big of a deal. It's just one little part. I mean, I mean, it's just one little part. I mean, the movie's pretty good. There's just, there's this one scene and I close my eyes like, it's just this, this one scene. And, and really, if, if we just could be candid, that's the problem. Is that for us, we say it's just one little part. It's just one little thing. It reminds me of the little kid who asked his mom if he could invite his friends over to watch a movie. And he knew what the rating was for the movie. But he said, listen, mom, 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 listen. There's only one little part. Like, it's not a whole lot. It's not a big deal. It's just this one little part. And mom, can we please watch that movie? How many have ever felt that? Please just watch that movie. All my friends have. Mom sat there for a second. She thought about it. She said, sure, go ahead. Invite your friends over. Watch the movie. He said, really? I mean, are you serious? Like, we can watch it? She said, yeah, yeah, absolutely. In fact, I'll make some of your favorite brownies while you guys watch the movie. 
So their friends come over and start watching the movie and the, the mom starts making the brownies and she's mixing the batter and she goes outside where the dog does his business and, you know, it's just a little miniature Yorkie. I mean, she, she just gets a little piece, just, just a little piece. And she's like, yeah, it's just a little piece and she's mixing the brownie and she puts it in the brownie and just makes it. So she makes the brownie. She takes it over to her son and to her friends. And they're like, oh, mom, thank you for making these brownies. They are so excited. She said, oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah, there's just a little bit. I mean, I actually made it with some organic. I mean, it's just a little. I mean, you probably, you probably won't even taste it. How many know a little poop goes a long way? So here's the question. If we wouldn't allow a little dog poop in our brownies, why do we allow sexual immorality in our movies? So we have to say, I'm going to raise the standard in our lives. And look at Matthew 6.22. It says, the eye, it all starts in our eyes. It says, is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, so listen, the eyes, what I'm putting inside of my mind, it says, then your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad... Your whole body will be full of darkness. So here's the question. Where are you losing the battle of the mind? Where are you losing the battle of the mind? What are you looking at that you shouldn't be looking at? What is it that's coming inside of your mind? What are you seeing? What kind of entertainment are you watching? What is polluting your mind and then is manifested in your body? Just takes a little bit. Romans 8, 5 says, Those who are dominated by the sinful nature... Think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Spirit, think about things that please the Spirit. So look at this. It's not that one is better than the other. One just thinks better than the other. So it starts in our minds. God, I'm going to think. I'm going I'm to allow myself to guard my mind. And this is what I'd say. Why don't you try it for six days? Six days. Don't watch that pollution that we justify and say just a little bit. Just remember my brownie story. And think, no, no, no. No, ain't no little poop will do for me. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to allow myself for six days to guard my eyes. Then the last thing is this. It says go all in with God. Go all in with God. Just give everything you got. Part of it is just saying, God, I'm going to give you everything. You deserve everything. Do it right. Can we just not play church? I, I don't know about you, but it's like, man, I, I don't want to play church. I don't want to play religion. I want to be all in with God. God, I'm going to give you everything. Look at Romans 6.13 says, do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. But look at it. He says, instead... Look, instead, 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 give yourselves partially to God. Give yourselves just a little bit to God. I mean, just, just a little. And what does it say? It says, give yourselves, it says, give yourselves completely to God. Completely. Sin loses its attractiveness when we find something better than sin. When we say, God, you are the great treasure of my life. See, I am faithful to Phyllis. Listen to me. Not because a Bible verse tells me to be faithful to Phyllis. Though it's good, it's awesome. I'm faithful to my wife because I am madly in love with my wife. She is the best thing that's ever happened to me. I love her with everything that's inside of me. And you know, it's that love that keeps me faithful. 
And that's what we got to look at with God. That's it. A marriage is a reflection of our relationship with God. So really in marriage, it, it's this reflection, and it's the reflection of what God wants us to live like. God, I'm so in love with you, I refuse to live a life of sin. Like we focus too many times like don't do this, stop, quit, stop, 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 quit. I don't know that God is down there just saying, oh, I can't believe stop. And how many know it's easy to get that way in parenting? Like just stop. You know what I think God is doing? He sets up these little God encounters for you to fall in love with Him. Have you ever noticed that? Like you came to a service, you thought it was going to be a blessing service just for kids. You didn't even know you were going to be here, but you came anyway. Now you're hearing this message about falling in love with God. You, you felt His presence in service, didn't really know what you felt, but it felt good. And, and what He's doing is He's wooing you, He's dating you. He's saying, listen, I, 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 what, I got what you need and I love you so much. See, the Bible says that we love God because He first loved us. You get it? Falling in love. Why? Because when I fall in love with him, it, it takes care of the sin. The God, I'm pursuing you. God, I'm running to you. And I love the fact that God gives us greater things to live for than the sin itself. Look at this verse. I love it. It says, all athletes are disciplined in their training. It says they do it to win a prize. That prize, it's going to fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. That when we fall in love with God, God uncovers how he made us and the purpose for which he made us. And then he says, hey, listen, just keep your eyes focused on your purpose. Why? Because that purpose pulls me out of the junk that I've been living in. When I have purpose, it gives me something greater to live for in this world. Can I tell you, I'm not perfect. But the thing that keeps me, she said, that's right. She said, I'm not perfect. The thing that keeps me on the straight path, that keeps me praying with my face on the floor, do you know what it is? It's you. Why? Because our purpose is to raise a great church full of people that have been healed, discovering their purpose, and unlocked to make a difference. So here would be my question to you. How many of you are sitting in this place and you feel like you have no purpose? No, no, I know, I know you got a job. I know you gotta pay your bills. I know there's things that you're responsible for, but at the very core of who you are, you've not found your purpose. There's two things. Number one, fall more in love with God. And number two, man, I, I, we say it every week. We're never gonna stop saying, go to next steps. Why? Today's Next Steps 301, we're going to help you discover how God created you. Why? Because when you discover who you're supposed to be, then you can do what you were created to do. And some of you have been living in a lie. I'll, I'll never forget this one lady. We started the church, church about three and a half years old, and she said, I'm a good administrator. And I'm like, praise God. I mean, oh, you, you got 20 people meeting in your house, you need to administrate. Like, I need somebody. Just helping me, dude, leave me, do it all. And so we're trying to build this thing up. And she said, I'm a great, I'm like, praise God, administration, woo! And she comes in. Can I tell you, she was a terrible administrator. It's okay, you can laugh. You say, well, what do you mean? She was doing what everybody needed her to do, but not what she was created to do. 
So she came in and she said, listen, I'm a great administrator. And you know what we discovered after going through next steps? And she was a great gatherer. She was a great teacher. She could gather people and she could teach the word of God. She could gather people. She could teach the word of God. So she had been living a lie because it is what people needed, not because of who God created her to be. And here's my deal. I think there's some of you, you just, you've done what everybody said to do and you've never come alive and you think it's God's fault, it's his problem. And I'm here to tell you, you maybe have believed the lie. It's not God's fault. He created you. You got to discover now how he created you. Why? Because there's purpose in every step. That purpose will keep you faithful to your spouse. That purpose will keep you faithful to church. That purpose will keep you faithful to God. Why? Because there's something greater to live for than the sin that we enjoy. Father, we just thank you for what you're doing. God, we invite you into this place in such a great way. God, even today, I'm asking you, Lord, people go to Next Steps, the 301, right after the service, God, that they would start the journey to uncover who you created them to be. Father, we thank you for that, that all these things in the body that we're detoxing from, those are areas we need to address, but we're going to focus on you. God, areas we need to look at, but God, we focus on you. You are the great treasure of our lives. And Lord, we realize it's not a sin issue, it's a love issue. So Lord, help us fall more in love with you than ever before. That we would wake up with you on our hearts and on our minds. God, that we would be praying as we're walking down the streets. Why? Because of what you did. You first loved us. God, you gave the ultimate sacrifice, your son, to this earth to die for us. And God, right now, in this moment, we commit, we're all in. Why don't you just tell him, say, I'm all in. Just begin to talk to him. Just right now, Father, I'm all in. Maybe, maybe there's an area you need to repent of. Maybe there's an area that the Holy Spirit highlighted. I'd encourage you just to acknowledge it. Just say, okay, God, you brought this to light. I promise you it's, it's not the devil. That God is trying to get you unstuck, detoxing this body. And so you just say, God, right now, right now, I just, I just repent. I just, just ask him for your forgiveness. Lord, would you forgive me? God, would you forgive me? God, we just praise you. Lord, we thank you. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in this place. And then just tell him, say, I'm all in. If that's you, just got him all in. I'm just, whatever area of your life, got him all in. I'm going to guard my mind. I'm going to guard my eyes. I'm going to remove it. I'm going to get it out of my life. We thank you for this, Lord, what you're doing in this place. Now, there's some of you here this morning... And you've never gone all in with God. You've been living life on your own, but the truth is you're far away from God. You've never had that commitment on the inside that he would be the Lord and Savior of your life. In fact, you've been the owner of your life, and you recognize it. And this morning, God's just working on the inside. I said, hey, give me control of your life. Just release the ownership of your life to me. And you say, Pastor, that's me. I'm ready for a, a new start, a fresh start, a new beginning. I'm ready for God to be the first and primary in my life. You know, there's some of you this morning, that's you. The Holy Spirit's working on your heart. I want to pray with you and lead you in a prayer. I'm not going to ask you to come up or stand up. What I'm going to do is just ask you to raise your hand so I know who I'm praying with. But if that's you this morning, you say, I'm going to go all in with God. 
give him control. I want him to be my Lord and Savior. Would you just raise your hand? I want to pray with you this morning. I see you. Yeah, raise him up boldly. High, high, high. Man, God is moving. I'm so proud of you. So you say, well, what do you do? Well, we're just going to pray a prayer. We're going to articulate what's happening in your heart right now. Pray this with me. Jesus, I receive what you did for me on the cross. I respond by giving you my life completely. I believe that you died and rose again. I'm turning my back on the old life. I'm going to follow you with everything. I'm all in. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Live inside of me. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>